my grandson has been started playing. This is Mark chapter 6, verse 30. They've been talking, and so he said, I like that song. He, went, he said he started playing it for me, and I said, oh, when did you learn that? He said, I taught myself. I said, well, okay. Um, he taught himself, and what we want to do tonight is a part, because children are part of the roundup. It was us, because we were kids. I was 20, mm, well, anyway, uh, 26, I think, when the roundup started. His foot can't reach the, the pedal. Encourage little fella. Stand up and sing with him. Thy will be done. As it is done. Speak to my soul. Today. Wash all my sins away. Thy will be done. As it is done, as it is done, done in heaven. Thank you so much. That's Hoven. So he said, he came in one day and said, I can play that song. I said, you can play the song. He said, yeah, in school. He said, I can play that song. And I said, I didn't even know you remembered that song. I don't know where we did it, but he remembered it. And so he came and he played it and he was right. So you like to play or what? Yes. Okay, let's put you on the witness stand. <laughs> the witness stand. We do the witness stand each night that we meet, and we'll be telling you more about the meeting night. Then when we have those who volunteer for the witness stand to be witnesses because a force witness what we call it, a reluctant witness, what they call them, attorney Campbell? Hostile witness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so no hostile witnesses, only the people that come up to be witnesses. We had several the other night. We're only having about two rows, this, test, this one, one other one. And then we switch out. I usually give you a signal and those leave and another group comes up. So we'll do that. Witnesses, 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 witnesses. All right, Hoven, so tell me the story. Um, what, how did that song stick in your head? Well, someone taught me that song. Okay, what happened? Um, I don't remember when, but someday when I was here um, on the other side of the fellowship hall, mm -hmm. Serenity taught me that song. Oh, Serenity? Mm-hmm. Oh, all right. She taught you that will be done. Okay, and so you learned how to play it. Mm -hmm. Oh, and that's good. That's good. It's good to give credit. Where to whom it is due. Okay, now, so do you like playing the piano or what? Yes. You do like it? Why? Because it's fun. It's fun? Well, you feel any special thing toward it or? Mm, it's fun playing songs. It's fun playing songs, but you like to sing too, right? Mm -hmm. So tell me, um, how old are you? Seven and a half. Oh, seven and a half. Well, I guess we're near eight now. Mm -hmm. when, when will you be eight? 
February 25th. Okay. So now, do you ever play? I know you have a gifted young sister. Do you ever play for her, or do you play together, or are you just learning? What is it? Mm, well, sometimes at home, I play the song, and I try to get her to sing it. Okay. Okay, so you'll have somebody to accompany. That's very good. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Any other thing you want to say to young people all around the world? Mm, no. No, okay. All right, thank you so much, Hovind. And here we have with us Teresa. Yes, my name is Teresa King. And uh, I uh, got saved by lis listening to Brother Porter at the time on TV when we were standing in the project. I was invited by my sister, Gwen Mays. So I used to go with uh, Mayor Sharon Jones. We used to go to the Midnight Praise. Okay, coming up. Uh, yes, mm -hmm. Midnight Praise. She used to, I wanted to go and I said, are you going? She said, yeah. I said, can I go with you please? She said, yeah. So every time I was in Eatonville, I went. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it. I just reflected on it today and I thought, wow, did I really go? Yep, I had a great time. Well, that's something. Yes. So uh, we were we were doing the midnight praise in that time at the, yes. in Orlando area. Yes. Okay, that's when you got good friends and you keep friends going. Yes. Okay, so what what has been the meaning of the the roundup to you? Oh, it's uh, you know meeting new people and talking to people that I see out when I'm out. I talk to people about the roundup okay. and tell them about coming. They say what night it is, and I would tell them, and they say I'll be there. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm so and, happy. Um, you say Gwen. What would you be saying about Gwen? Gwen Mays, my sister. She invited me okay. to come to church okay. with her, and I came, and I've been coming ever since. How long I, has it been? Uh, 1979. Oh. I used to be over at the old office. I used to bring my girls, and we get up under that piano, and we'd be up. What you <laughs> mean? What you mean? Get up under the piano? <laughs> it wasn't no room. It was packed. It was packed. That's where you had to that office, and so the, the only room was under the piano to sit. Yes, because all the other space was taken up. I'm at God sitting on the piano. Okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, and was there something else you wanted to say? Yes, I just enjoy coming to church, and I feel if I don't get here, I'm missing something. I feel the same way. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it too. It Jesus good. is all the world to me. Yeah. Yes, Rosa, I see you here, and. Uh, so, Rose, what's your story? Well, I was thinking about the other day when we were in church, and I heard people testifying. I, the thing that came in my mind was there was a time when every time Bishop Porter would go on the road, everybody would, I mean, most everybody would sign a list because they want to go. And we wait anxiously to see who you're going to choose. You know, and you pray over it. But we still want to go, you know. We want you to pray, but we want God to tell you that I'm the one that's supposed to be on that bus. Well, you're supposed to pray. Yeah. And so then you see him call the names and you listen. Okay, that's fine. They can go too. But, you know, come on, get to my name. So when, when you finish the list, I looked around. I saw the people go on the bus and close the door. And I was like, okay. But before you close the door, after you close the door, I went to the bathroom because I had to go cry. And I oh, went into I like the that. bathroom. Go cry because I can't, can't go yeah. on the road. <laughs> and I cried and I told God, I said, God, you forgot to give Brother Porter my name because we called him Brother Porter at that time. And I came back out, but when I came back out, you gave me something to do. And I couldn't go, but you said, Rosa, I want you to work on this for me. And I was like, okay, all right, you know. And I took it in my hand. You had so many notebooks and sermons and uh, poems and songs and you said work on that for me and you put that in my hand and I was like yes so he always has more than one copy so I put his notebooks together 
And then I put my notebook together <laughs> as well. So he had all these copies and, you know, I made an extra notebook on the side and I said, thank you, God. And I kept it very neat and when he came back, I gave it to you and I kept my notebook to the side with the extra copies, you know, and I still have it. Wonderful. Yeah. Now, Rosemary, when was that? That was in 1980. 1980s. That's They've been the reviewing 1980s. the 1980s on the tapes. 1980. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I came here May of 1980. May of 1980 out of? From Atlanta, Georgia. From Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. I was in school, and thank God you corrected me <laughs> because I had quit school. Your graduate had, program. In the graduate program, I had taken all of my master's classes had started the first semester on my PhD, and I dropped out of school because I wanted to be in ministry, and we all had started going around to this, this church where they were saying to us it was time for us to quit school and join their ministry. So, you know, I felt like God was calling me. Now, I had just got saved. Didn't I grow up in the church? So I had no church background. And when I was 27 years old and God was calling me into full-time ministry, I said, wow, wonderful. So I quit school. I told my advisor that I was going to go into full-time ministry. She said, how is God going to take care of you? I didn't have an answer for that. Now, when Bishop Porter came, when he came and heard that a bunch of us had quit school, the word he sent me was, get back in school. He didn't say, thus said the Lord. So when he said that, I got back in school and I went back to my advisor and she said, what happened? God changed his mind. <laughs> so... That's when I realized that, um, you know, you I needed teaching. Yeah, because there, was, there were a lot of you in Atlanta University, what is it, Complex? Yeah, Morehouse, Atlanta Spelman, Clark, Morris Brown, ITC. and ITC, right. All of those, and so we came back up for a meeting. Yes. And I preached a sermon. Yeah, and I say, I want you to quit too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that was talking to the people. So, in a way, yeah, and I say, because I want you to quit too. So, mm -hmm. if you tell everybody that's being trained, right. you want them to quit, you're not going to have any trained people. That's right. Yeah. Thank you so much, Rosa McKenzie. And we have joining us here. I'm Gwen Mays. And I've been here since 1978. And I, I came to the knowledge of the ministry when I attended a meeting at Hearst Chapel, AME Church, on mm -hmm. links. And I altar call was made. And the person that prayed for me, I'll never forget, was Miss Bessie Pitts. Oh. Yes. <laughs> happening again and, and um, we've been friends ever since and I enjoyed the ministry because I was basically home I worked I was home I watched TV and that was the concept of what I was doing in my life so during the roundup people used to come from everywhere I didn't know these people, and especially college students. And I had my daughter, and she loved the college students. She ended up spending so much time with the college students. Every year that they come down for the roundup, we'd have a house full. And their, their uh, leader would say, well, Ms. Mays, how many can you take this time? I said, um, Anywhere you can find a spot, you can fill it in. I took in anybody that wanted to come and stay. Say that. I said it. <laughs> they did. I had a house full. Oh, it was so much fun. 
And to this day, I still have contact with some of the people. I don't care where I see them. They say, hi, Ms. Mays, how are you doing? I say, I'm fine. How are you? Mm -hmm. They are still my friends. That's the way it's supposed to be. Okay. Now, I had my daughter, and we were going through a few things because she liked to talk. And at school, the teachers would say, your daughter is very disruptive in my class. I said, well, what is she doing? She said, everybody's trying to do the work and she's talking. I said, well, is she completing her assignments or, or, or what's going on? And she said, she's talking. She did not give me a definite answer that she was completing assignments or anything. Mm -hmm. So now, of course, me being me, took it upon myself to go to the school. You know, they said, oh, come by the office before you come. Well, I wanted to know what was she doing? And so I took it upon myself. I went and I had my time going in. I didn't go to the office. I was bad. I didn't go to the office. What did you do? I went to the classroom. And what happened? And I had discussions with the teachers and the principal. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, Ms. Mays, I think your daughter needs to uh, be put on some medication to calm her down. I said, calm her down? She's not doing anything. She's just being a kid. So I went and talked to my bishop. I said, Bishop, you know they want to put my girl on medicine? He said, what's the problem? I said, I don't know. They just tell me she talks too much. So I talked with the bishop and he said, let them test her all they want to. Don't give her any medicine. I said, okay, that's all I needed to know. And then Chris had her personal time with the bishop to get an understanding of what's going on. And after that, jackpot, no problems. Mm -hmm. And Chris finished school. Wait, well, West Coast School opened in 81. Mm -hmm. But I did not send Chris back to school because you said we were going to have a school to begin in 81. So I didn't send her to school. I waited for our school to open. And here she came. Here she graduated. From here she went to college. Wonderful. She's doing a wonderful well, job. Well, we know now. she graduated summa cum laude. Oh, oh yes, From sir. Florida A&M University. She worked it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you know, that's the kind of thing that can happen. Because sometimes we don't know the stories behind it. And like she said, she was who she is. How God saved her and brought her in. If we don't know these testimonies, what makes people come? The reason people came is because you invited them. The roundup was about go around, go and get all those people assemble or round them up, and tell them you want to show them hospitality like they showed you on the road. So that's what we did. We didn't have the hotels. We didn't put them up anywhere but in our homes. And as she said, these people are still keeping in contact and what you do is tell them to come on home mm -hmm. Michael you're sitting there what happened with you during, Michael during, the, round Fluker, well, yeah, during yeah. the roundup yeah uh, I would say the the most uh, memorable memory memory I have of the roundup is uh, when I proposed to my wife oh yeah, that was there. Yes, sir. We there was a concert. I, I don't remember, recall the name of the hall, but it's right up right up the street. Mm. Man, thank you, Municipal mm. Auditorium. You remember better than I do. And uh, I proposed to my wife there, and uh, I I remember Bishop was on the stage, and uh, he was singing a song, and uh, I was just standing there like I don't know what to do. And uh, so he was singing, he had on a red jacket too, it was nice. And uh, he was singing the song and he brought me up out of the office and it was, Lord, I wanna thank you. 
uh, somebody who's going to care about me. Lord, I want to thank you. And that was a song he was singing. And um, he whispered in my ear, he's ready. I said, yes, sir, I'm ready. <laughs> and so then I went over to my wife and uh, I had given my uh, future in-laws, her brothers and sisters, some flowers. Each, there were different color flowers. Uh, one was white, yellow, red, and I forgot the other one. But uh, they, they symbolize different um, um, uh, um, um, thank you, relationships, friend, um, love, and, 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 and peace, and there was something else. And so they each gave her a rose, and then I gave her um, a dozen roses, and I put a tiara or a crown on her head, and um, I, I got down on one knee, and then um, I proposed to her, and that was during the roundup. Yeah, so it brings families together, brings people together. That is wonderful. That is just wonderful. All right, you better tell these girls. <laughs> Get in the round. What year was that? Nin 1997. 1997. So tell them, get in the meetings. You never can tell. Somebody may have a proposal waiting for you. Thank you so much. Mm, they talked about you the other night. This is Sheila. Yes. Sheila Sheffield McCullough. <laughs> yeah. This is the Sheffield look. <laughs> I, you can tell them anywhere. Sarasota is known, beautiful family, great family in Sarasota. And I know. <laughs> She's the baby. I'm the baby of 10, I'm number 10. Mm -hmm. And I came to this ministry back in 1979, by the way of my niece Angela invited me to one of the services that was being held at Hearst Chapel. And I was on my way out to party. And to get her off my back, I said, okay, I'll come this night. If I come tonight, will you leave me alone? And she said, yes. So I went downstairs and I borrowed a dress from one of my neighbors, because I didn't have any church clothes. Because I grew up in the home where my family went to church all the time. I was raised in church. And I said, when I turn 18 years old, I'm never gonna step foot in the church again because I'm tired of church. I don't wanna have anything to do with God and I'm gonna get out and party and live my life. And that's exactly what I did. I got out there in the world and I got with the wrong crew and my life began to spiral down, and down, down, and down. And I got involved with people who were smoking marijuana. And I got hooked on marijuana. And I went with Angela to church that night. And I was sitting in about the middle part of the church, and Brother Porter at that time, Bishop Porter, was Brother Brother Porter was preaching and he said let's have altar call I had no intentions of going to the altar but somehow I got up I was crying I went down to the altar I got on my knees I asked God to forgive me and save me and God did that night he delivered me from smoking marijuana he turned my life around he cleaned me up. I went home. I had a bag of marijuana, a garbage bag. Garbage bag, because my brother was a kingpin. So I, was, I had access to it. I could get as much as I wanted, and I had as much as I wanted. And I took the whole garbage bag, black garbage bag, and I poured it down the toilet, and I flushed it. Because God had delivered me that night. He had set me free. My life changed. I was a total new, different person when I went home that night. And I said, God, thank you. 
because I'm changed. Something happened to me that night in Hearst Chapel when I went down to the altar. Bishop Porter was preaching. The word was strong. I was delivered. I said, oh my God, what has happened to me? I was excited. I went home and my whole life changed. I started coming to the ministry to be taught and filled with the Holy Spirit, being taught of the Lord, to live for the Lord. This bishop right here taught me how to be a queen. He fed me the food fit for a queen. He taught me how to live as a queen. He took me from crayons to perfumes. I came from a good family, from a good raising, all of that. But what he came to bring was something totally different. I was bound, turned around, bedded up, seated in a seat of hell. And he put on his hero outfit and came through hell fire to get me. And I know that because nobody else could reach me. There was men who tried, but nobody else could reach me like Brother Porter did. My life was set free that night because of you. You came and got me. God sent you. You are my hero. To God be the glory. <laughs> my God, you know, you never can tell. Just the other night when we had the other witnesses came up, and Ruby White, Reverend Ruby White, testified that it was you working in Winn-Dixie uh, grocery store, and you were the one that invited her, and that's how she came to Hearst Chapel. Matter of fact, thank God for Hearst Chapel. Let's give it, because they let us use the church. And that's what I say. That's why I feel the same way. People let us use it because we didn't have a place. Yes. But they were so open to us. Sheila, that is tremendous, tremendous, tremendous. And this is what happens. These lives have been changing. Sometimes you'll get in a hole or you feel like you're not worth anything. You look up and you see your fruit and you know you still got trees growing. Yes. And the trees are dropping off fruit. Let me get one more and then we're going to the word. Amen. Young people need to see young people living. I was raised in a Christian home, but I was not in, in, inspired or excited about living for God. But when I saw the young people Carolyn Riley McKinnon had invited me to come out, when I came out that night and saw all of those young people living for God, and that it was exciting, it was accepted. I received the Lord in my life, and what God did for me after he saved me, he showed me that I was better than what I thought of myself. He took me places I never thought I would go. People listened to me. They valued what I had to say because of the things that Bishop Porter put in us from uh, just practical Christianity. Things you don't do, you do, or you say, or you don't say. He taught us all kind of things, but we went around the world, and when he did those kind of things, the people that was helped and blessed by us, by our words, by our actions, I thought, Oh my God, it was in this house that the Lord blessed us. So when he told us, I'm gonna, he taught us, I'm gonna bind the hands of the enemy, showed us how to loose the bands of wickedness and, and, and find a haven of righteousness. That's what he did for us. We went around the world, people accepted from one end of the United States to the other. And then when we got back here for the roundup, we were so happy to share. God gave us a place that we could give people a haven of righteousness where they can come. He trusted us. And I was very thrilled about it when we, can, we had people to come back and to receive what God had done for us because there are many things that happened when I was out on the road. But one thing in particular that taught me and strengthened me, I was telling my son about it today, was that when uh, I was in love with Leon at that time, but something happened on the road and I, I call it a periodic demon at that time. Bishop Porter preached about it, periodic, periodic demon. demons. And I just got quiet. I wouldn't say anything to anybody. I knew I was on the road to minister, but I wouldn't. And then in one services in Los Angeles, California, everybody was testifying. He looked my way, and I looked like I didn't see him at that time. And then he told Leon uh, in that city, don't try to be Holy Ghost Junior. Leave her alone. 
And when you isolate people and they don't have nobody to run to, they have nobody to run to but God. And that drew me. I was sitting on that bus. We were headed from, we were leaving Los Angeles and something came over me. I jumped up and ran to the front of the bus and said, I'm sorry, I've been wrong. I'm sorry because everybody had just stopped communicating with me. And that led me back to where I need to go. But those experiences that God gave me, when I got a chance to help people and realize that, oh my God, you've blessed me to help other people, I brought it back here. There was one thing that happened to me, and I thank God for this house that he gave us, because at the time the Lord had told my husband through Bishop Wood, don't take a job. He decided to keep doing it because he, he was working all of his life, he wanted to do it. He went out there and broke a leg. And at that time, I didn't understand, you know, why would God tell him that? I'm pregnant, I, we need money, I need diapers. You know, you look a woman, you look a wife pushing. And he went out there and broke a leg. He couldn't do it then. God made a way through all of that. We lived upstairs in one of those rooms. I, this man right here can arrange a place so quickly. You think you're at home. He took all the little furniture we had and moved it up in the room. Leon is the church child. He lived up there. But God brought us through so many things. I thank God for this house of the Lord because it was in this house that the Lord delivered me. It was in this house that the Lord blessed me. It was in this house that the Lord restored me. That's why I said thank you for this house of the Lord from one end from Pablo, Colorado to California to Arizona to Maryland to Delaware. We've been there and seen God bless people. Thank you for this house of the Lord because he trusted us. Woo! This ends it for the witnesses tonight, the witness stand. Oh, my God. Give them, give them all a big hand for these wonderful testimonies. Amen. This, see, because we haven't heard each other sometimes a long time. And when you hear about who you have, the witnesses you have, when you know we, we then being workers, but we all are what? Workers. And now we've assembled, it's been, I, I, I sit down, I sat down today and I said, I need the order that those names were in. I need to see how God arranged with certain people coming at the same time, talking, and they had us, oh, it was so connected. And then one of the most amazing things was that after we started talking, people were still sitting around for long times. And Reverend Hicks stood there and he said, yeah, you know, you sent us down for Hopeton Campbell back in, in uh he was from Jamaica and he came to cut cane but he said he couldn't come in the United States without coming to West Coast so he said we went he and Paul McKenna he said he drove down we sent them to Pahokee they drove three and a half hours there picked up Hopeton Campbell brought him to the roundup service then took him back home and then drove back so we're talking about ten and a half hours and one day because they wanted to see some souls won that was stirring when he sat there and told that story he said we went to Pahokee and I said this story sounds so familiar then I remembered last Wednesday Shazi Marvin and Paul Matthias came in and we talked the same way and Paul told us about riding through Pahokee because that's the place he's down there from there. and we talked about Pahokee going way back and I said we had Hopeton Campbell back there and you came up and started talking about that I knew then that God had moved by his spirit here God has moved by his spirit again a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ who came home because God said go home who Follow in the steps of God who wanted to do what the Lord said just to help just to help and sometimes I've heard one young man say uh, he wrote it's time for sons to sow into their fathers I've had two or three people two people that said it particularly and those two of them were my sons tonight we're here for this roundup so that they can show us the way to God preacher hears the way goes the way and shows the way Reverend Henry Porter I'm just going to sit at the witness stand and, and, and 
and be a witness. Uh, we uh, honor the bishop uh, tonight. We thank God for uh, for him. We thank God for this uh, roundup gathering. Um, we would not uh, be who we are uh, without without him. Like some people can say, like I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you, but like. <laughs> I literally can say I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for uh, you. This man has had uh, an, an incredibly uh, uh, broad formative impact on my life. There are others who have sold in my life, but there is no person alive who uh, has had more of an impact on my life than this man. Uh, I am who I am because of because of him and so we can we just honor that gift tonight honor our bishop bishop we we honor you tonight um, I'm, I'm going to just work from uh the 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 scripture uh that bishop had read on uh sunday second corinthians chapter four uh, if you have it, you can turn in your Bibles. Oh, turn in this Bible. Second Corinthians chapter four. And uh, let me start at the fifth uh, verse. Um, when you have it, say amen. amen. Uh, the fifth verse, and, and, and let's, let's read together. Uh, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. I want to just rest right at the seventh verse, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Can you help me preach tonight? Just nudge somebody next to you and tell them there's victory in your vessel. There's victory in in your vessel we're not talking about my vessel we're talking about your your vessel there's victory in your vessel father we love you god i ask tonight that you would pour me out pour you in let your people see you and not me hide me behind the cross cover me beneath your blood let the words of my mouth and the manifest and the and the and the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight for god you are my strength and you are my redeemer Anoint me with the anointing that makes preaching and teaching effective. God, get your name all the glory tonight. I take none of your glory to myself, but have your way tonight. God, we give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, can you say simply with me, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Tell somebody that who's next to you, you are, you are. the temple of the Holy Ghost of the Holy Ghost the great God of the universe who sits on the circle of the earth decided that he wanted you for his vessel the heavens could not contain him 
The earth could not hold his power, but he chose to make his home inside of you. Do you know that you are a vessel for the glory of God, that everywhere you go, you carry the glory of God? When you're in Walmart, the glory of God is in Walmart because you're there. When you're on your job, the glory of God is on your job because you're there. I'll verify for you in scripture because Potiphar says to Joseph, he says, I know that the only reason I'm blessed, that the only reason that there's glory in my house is because you are a vessel. Can you nudge somebody and tell them you're a vessel? When you contemplate that thought, it, 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 it might make your head get a little big. When you, when you really think about it, that everywhere I go, I carry the glory of God, that I am the vessel of God's anointing in the earth realm. But, 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 when, you, but when you really think about it, God, God chooses frail and common vessels to hold his glory. God likes to use the most unlikely people I mean look at the word God calls a man that has a stuttering problem and tells him to go and speak unto Pharaoh I mean look at God's word God calls a, a suicidal prophet that's hiding in a cave and tells him to go and anoint the next generation of leadership I mean look at the Bible God calls a scary man that's hiding food and tells him that he's going to deliver his entire nation as one man and tells him that he's going Going to lead a courageous army because what we see in God's word is that God's word never presents us with an extraordinary vessel God's word it presents us with an extraordinary God that there's nothing special about the vessels that God uses except the fact that God uses them and so if God could use them flaws and all then the question becomes for me what's keeping God from being able to use you nudge your name right there and tell them there's victory in your vessel but the issue the issue that the text gives us the issue that the text gives us the problem that the text presents us with is the fact that most folks judge the vessel based on the visual appearance of the vessel most folks will judge the vessel based on the visual appearance of the vessel notice what the text calls it the text says it is an earthen vessel the text says it is an earthen vessel usually if you're trying to hide a treasure you would not put it in a clay pot you would not put it in a clay cup you would put it in something that has ornamentation around it you would put it in something that can hold the glory of the thing that's in it but what you got to understand is what Paul is trying to give you is a thought because in the ancient world earthen vessels are cheap and they're common earthen vessels are cheap and they're common the reason that they are cheap and common is because no two vessels are alike they are made so quickly that sometimes when you see a vessel a vessel is lopsided the vessel has scrapes and 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 and, and scars because earthen vessels were never in the ancient world designed for beauty earthen vessels were designed for utility so it did not matter how ugly the cup was as long as the cup could hold water I'm preaching real good and I'm talking to somebody because you come out of an ugly situation you come out of an ugly life you've been told all your life that you would never be anything that you were too ugly to make it but it does not matter how ugly the vessel is as long as it can hold water I mean look at Isaiah talking about our Savior the Lord Jesus he said that he had no form nor comeliness that when we saw him there was no beauty attached to him that we would desire him but he was despised and rejected of men and we esteemed him not it was an ugly vessel even when we're talking and looking at Paul Paul says in 2nd Corinthians chapter 10 he says Paul himself he says he says that he was even himself nothing to be looked at in fact some of the Corinthians said that Paul sounds good on paper but when you see him in person he looks very weak he was a short ball man and he was beaten into an inch of his life and because he was beaten into an inch of his life in that time they did not have plastic surgery they did 
did not have reconstructed surgery. So you got to imagine a, a short, a short bald man that's disfigured in his face. He is so disfigured in his appearance that some ancient texts say that his appearance could turn your stomach. Even in the book of Galatians, when you look at Galatians 4, Galatians 4 says that his appearance was a test unto them. That being able to sit through one of his sermons would cause you to wonder why God would use such an ugly vessel. Because here's the thing that you may not understand. That when you scrutinize, when the enemy causes you to scrutinize the vessel, he'll make you miss what God put in the vessel. Because there are some folk that God will bring into your life and God will bring them into your life so that they can bless you, so that they can give you something, so that they can bring elevation in your life. But you're too busy scrutinizing what the vessel look like well they white and I don't think that white people want to help black people well they ain't a Christian and I don't think that because they are Christian they want to help me but listen to what the text is trying to get you to say what the text is trying to get you to see because the appearance of the vessel doesn't matter what's in the vessel it is what matters can you nudge somebody right there and tell them there's victory in your vessel so what the text says the text says for we preach not ourselves for we preach not ourselves because here's the thing that most people I will encourage every minister when you preach always preach the Lord Jesus and him crucified don't preach yourself because when you preach yourself you are up for examination that means all your failures all your flaws and all your falls are at the disposal of the enemy to use because Paul says I cannot preach myself the only one that I'm going to be able to preach because when I look at myself I see that there's something wrong with my vessel but so the only one that I will be able to preach is the only one that can cover me the only one that can cover me is Jesus Christ the only one that can hide my ugliness is Jesus Christ and so we preach not ourselves but we preach Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ covers me and his blood hides me so therefore I may not be a pretty vessel but God can still use me you may not be a pretty vessel but God can still use you you may have some ugly stuff in your life but God can still use you I came to encourage somebody and to tell you that there's victory in your vessel if I wasn't sitting down I'll shout right now because here's the thing that I like about God the thing that I like about God is is that God does not judge vessels based on visual appearance God does not judge vessels based on visual appearance we discover this in the book of Samuel in the 16th chapter of 1st Samuel because Samuel is there to anoint a king and God immediately tells him the Lord doesn't see as man sees for man looks on the outward appearance but the Lord looks on the heart because when Samuel shows up in Bethlehem Samuel shows up looking for a Saul but finds the vessel that God can really use they not looking for you but they gonna find you because God was looking for you they didn't have the position for you but they gonna give it to you because God was looking for you they turned past your resume because your name was wrong but God's gonna make them find you because the value of the vessel is not determined by its appearance the value of the vessel is determined by its content he said we have this treasure in our earthen vessels that what makes the what makes the, the vessel valuable is what's inside of the vessel so it never matters how the outside of the vessel looks because what's inside of the vessel is what matters now I'm about to lose about two of y'all three of y'all here but let me bless you as a point to illustrate what I'm saying there is a bottle of wine that sold it is a Chateau Lafitte 1787 a Chateau Lafitte 1787 it is the most expensive bottle of wine that has ever sold in all of history and that one bottle of wine sold for $156,450 did you hear what I said it sold for $156,450 well when you google the bottle the bottle is ugly the bottle has cobwebs all over it the bottle has nicks and 
and screams the bottle is marred but it's the contents that's inside of the bottle that have the value can I bless about five of you and tell you that what's in you is greater than what's on you what you're going through right now is just a light affliction but there's glory that's in you and it's the contents that's in you that's going to give you value it's the contents that's in you going to have folk looking for you from all over the world John, John picks this up. John says, greater, greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. John wasn't talking about your outward appearance. John was talking about your content, what lives inside of you. But as long as the enemy can make you doubt your value, you'll be a vessel that never pours. As long as as the enemy can make you doubt what's inside of you you will never be a vessel that pours so you'll be full of vision but you'll never pour it out you'll be full of a word but you'll never preach you'll have a dream that consumes you day and night but you'll never live out your dream there'll be a business you'll be full of business and never do business because the enemy has made you doubt your value you'll be full of everything that God has for you but you'll never press beyond your comfort zone to share it because the enemy makes you doubt what's really inside of you because he's got you so busy looking at what's on your outside that you ain't examined yet that you're full of a treasure but but can I bless you here, here I gotta take my seat I'm, I, I, I gotta go gotta go on gotta get on out your way here's the thing that blesses me in the text this is the thing that blesses me in the text think about it earthen vessels are not like Tupperware they, they, they don't have an airtight seal uh, 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 there, there, there is no way to make an earthen vessel where an earthen vessel can cannot be agitated to the point that something spills out because if you agitate an earthen vessel enough what will happen is is that whatever's in them will actually end up spilling out so, alright so, so, so let, me, let, me, let, me, let me whisper this so that I can just talk to you and, 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 and nobody else don't have to listen look straight this way could it be that the reason why God has allowed agitation to show in your life is because you won't pour so he gotta make you spill Jesus Christ asked Jesus Christ's disciples come to him and they say why was this man born blind did his mother sin or did his father sin and Jesus looks at them and says the only reason why agitation came in his life is so my glory could spill out Martha Jesus comes and shows up Lazarus is dead Martha comes to Jesus Martha says Jesus had you been here my brother would not have died what took you so long because I thought you was really his friend I thought you really cared about him and Jesus looks at her and says that the only reason that he's in the grave is because my glory need to spill out because if he didn't die you'd never know that I was the resurrection and the life because maybe the reason that you ain't been able to find a way out maybe the reason why you're frustrated and why you're agitated is because there's God's glory in you and the glory that God has in you has got to spill out over your situation God allowed the agitation God, God allowed the frustration so that victory could spill out so let me bless you with, with the way the text says it the text says it this way it says we are troubled but we're not distressed we are perplexed but we are not in despair we are persecuted but we are not forsaken we are cast down but we are not destroyed because there's victory in your vessel and you never know that there was victory in your vessel had your vessel not been cast down because it's not until the vessel is cast down that the victory that's in you begins to spill out my God Joseph was able to look at his brothers when his brothers come to see him and his brothers are apologizing to him and he looks at them and he says to them he says you thought it for evil but the only reason why God allowed you to do it is so that the victory that was in me could spill out all over the place I dare you to nudge your neighbor right there and tell him it's time for the victory in you you to spill out. 
The only reason why I'm shaking you is because the victory has got to spill out. The only reason why I'm letting you go through it is because the victory has got to spill out. Shake your neighbor right there and say, I'm agitating you until victory spills out of you. I'm agitating you until healing comes out of you. I'm agitating you until breakthrough comes out of you. I'm agitating you until your deliverance comes out of you. I'm agitating you until victory spills out all over the place. There's victory in your vessel. Your victory has got to spill out. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I, I got to go home. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. The only reason you still here is because you came through the last situation without breaking. The only reason you didn't lose your mind it's because there was so much victory in you that when you failed the last time the victory spilled out and changed your whole situation the only reason that you're still alive is because victory spilled out of you the last time and if victory could spill out of you the last time what's wrong with victory spilling out of you this time Paul says Paul says, Paul says this is my last one Paul says Paul says Paul says he says that you have this treasure in your earthen vessel and the reason why it's in your earthen vessel is so that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us that the only reason why there's victory in your vessel is because God put it there. That when he got up on the cross and he died and he said it was finished, every defeat was finished. Every sickness was finished. Every illness in your life was finished. And so the only thing that was left was winning. The only thing that was left was possessing the victory that God had for you. That, that only reason I, I let it spill out was to show you it couldn't break you and it couldn't destroy you anyway. You were cast down, but you weren't forsaken. You were not destroyed. I, I did it because you wouldn't pour it, I had to make you spill. was caught on the Damascus road fighting against the church he, he wouldn't pull God had to make him spill but there's a treasure in you there's victory in your vessel there's more that God has for you and in this new year in this new season you can't afford not to pour your dream all over the place you cannot afford not to pour your vision all over the place. There's value in you, and it don't matter what the vessel looks like. It's the contents that determine the value. And you got to pour that victory on some more situations in your life. I'd rather pour my victory than God make it spill. I'd rather decide that I'm going to have victory over this situation and just go ahead and just pour out my victory than to, than to, than to, make, God, than to make God have to agitate me until I spill. There are some situations in your life right now that you don't need to let it spill. You need to pour on it. There's some breakthroughs you need that you don't need to spill. You need to pour. And the way you pull victory on your situation is through your praise and through your worship. Oh, bless the Lord. That's the way you pull, you pull victory. Paul declares 
Paul keeps on declaring through everything that he's been through. He says, I don't give up and I don't faint. And the reason I don't give up and I don't faint is because I know that God put something in me. I know that God trusted me with something. I know that God's going to make a way out of no way. I know he brought me through the trials that I had in Asia. I know he brought me through me being beaten, beaten in Derby and still allowed me to live and still allowed me to be here. I know that he brought me through the contentions that came up concerning the preaching of grace. I know that he brought me through all those things. And so I'm just going to begin to worship God, the father of lights, the one that still gives me victory, the one that still causes me to prosper. Look at what he says in Romans. He says, thanks be to God that causes, that gives me the victory. Listen, I got to go rest on your feet. My time is up. I don't know what you're living through right now. But I believe tonight that that situation is agitating you so you'll let the victory fall out of you. Get that situation, get that circumstance in your mind, and we're going to come into agreement and pray tonight. We're going to pray because victory is going to spill out. Now, the good part about victory spilling out, I want you to notice that every time in this text, he uses the word we. We have this treasure in our earthen vessels. Because there's sometimes when you may not feel like you got enough victory, but your neighbor got to let some of their victory spill on you. I may not make it through this by myself, but I'm gonna let some. I'm gonna let. I'm gonna let some. I'm gonna let some of the victory I got yeah, yeah. spill out on you. Yes. So, what I want you to do right now is just grab a neighbor by the hand. Father, we thank you. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. Hallelujah. We honor you as God. We thank you for the gift that's in us. God, tonight we stir up the gift that's in us. We stir up the victory that's in us. We stir up the treasure that you put in our earthen vessels. We stir up your resurrection power inside of us. We stir it up right now and we let victory pour out over every situation in our lives. Every situation we struggle with. Every situation that we deal with. We allow it to pour all over our lives. And Father, we thank you for this victory. And so we worship you. We give you praise. We give you honor. Come on, just begin to bless him. Let your victory spill out. Let your worship spill out. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah to your name, God. We give you glory. In the name of Jesus. Victory, victory, victory. There's there's someone that's suffering in the lower part of their stomach right here across this area. Who is that? Who is that? There's also someone on the right side of your back. Who is that? The right side of the upper right here. Father, in the name of Jesus, touch, heal. If you reveal it, you heal it. And we give you glory right now for it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Father, touch and heal. We give your name glory. We thank you. In the name of Jesus. There's also someone suffering with acid reflux. Who is that? In the name of Jesus. Heal. We heal in the name of Jesus. Give her a miracle now. In the name of Christ Jesus, I pray. Amen. Heal in the name of Jesus. Victory spill out. Victory spill out in the name of Jesus. We give you glory and we give you praise. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you and we love you. The, the, the kidney on this side, who is that? We thank you and we give you glory. Touch her and heal her right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. 
we thank you and we give you glory heal him now give him a miracle victory spill out on him in the name of Jesus we give you glory in the name of Jesus victory spill out thank you Jesus father in the name of Jesus victory spill out now in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus I, I want you can you sing can you sing um persecuted but not forsaken cast down but not destroyed thank you Jesus thank you God victory spill out on him in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus victory spill out on him now in the name of Jesus we give you glory Worketh in me, but life in you, but life in you, but life in you. I'm renewed from day to day. 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 Now. If you would help me, as many of you that would stand with me tonight with a seat of $44. Seat of $44. I got mine. But stand with me with a seat of $44. 44. 44. I'm not in distress. That's victory. Cast down, but not destroyed. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Now, 44. Who's got who's got the 44? Who's got the 44? Come on, come on, come on, come on this way. Come toward this way. You can, you can give it by way of credit card. You can make out a check. You can text it in. 941 I'm renewed. I'm renewed. Victory is all on me, yeah. If you if you don't have 44